Look again in Galatians, uh, the first chapter, uh, verses 6 through 10. Uh, we're going to walk through uh, this letter of Galatians, uh, today's theme, dealing with don't leave the gospel. Uh, want to just read that one verse, uh, that sixth verse, and then leave us with that last verse in this pericope. Verse 10, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God reads this way. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Verse 10, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Help me announce the subject matter to your neighbor. Tell them, don't leave the gospel. Amen, amen. Help me preach one more time to your other neighbor. Tell them, don't leave the gospel. Here we are in this text. He opens up in this letter. Do you see that there, right there in verse 6? Uh, it says, I am amazed. Some translation says, I am shocked that you are deserting, that you are leaving uh, the one who's called you. I want you to grab closely here uh, in this letter, many of Paul's letters, many, well, I say not many, most of Paul's letters, that after he gives a salutation, he tells them grace and peace to you, uh, uh, Paul the servant, blah, 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 where he's from, who is to. He goes on to say, and I thank God for you. May he bless you. I, I heard of your good news. He, he gives a blessing to them, but there's no blessing to the church in Galatia uh, because uh, they are leaving the gospel. So now he's upset. He's upset that how, how dare you leave this gospel that you know to come to believe because he's upset because not because necessarily they're leaving the gospel, but they've been persuaded by someone else preaching something else that is not the gospel at all. Let me give you an illustration here. Many times when you go to a place, you may go to a museum, you may go to the White House, you may go to uh, the Senate, you may go to places, a big, big building, and you want to get a tour to see all the beautiful sights. And, and so therefore, you have to go and get into a line to, so you can be part of that, of that party, and they'll assign you a group, and they'll give you your tour guide, and modern technology helps us out. How does modern technology help us out? Now the tour guide can have a personal microphone. They'll pass you out headphones, and you put the headphones over your ear, and you and everybody within your group can listen to that person give you instructions and directions of where to go. I said, that's, 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 that's fantastic, because I've been, I've been on tours when you could not hear a word the tour guide was saying, because you were in the group and you were in the back. You just get lost. Like, well, I'm just going to tour myself, because I don't know what they're saying. But here now, you, have, you can ask a question. Everybody else can hear your question. He can answer your question and say, yes, this is where we're going. Now, please meet us over here. You can follow the God. Follow me here. You have a tour guide that's giving you instructions and showing you where to go so you may see what you came to see. What am I getting at? Here it is. Paul was used by God as his messenger to give the message to the people 
they received this message, but somewhere along the line, they listened to another guy that's taking them another way. And so we need to make sure that when we're in the tour, the tour guide tells you, stay with me. Stay with me. Can everybody hear me? He makes clear that can you hear me? Can you see me? Because he wants to make sure that you can see him so you know where he's going, that you can hear him, so you know what he is talking about. Paul says, I've given you the instructions. I gave you the directions, but you're listening to somebody else. I am shocked that you are leaving this gospel. Here it is. Why would they listen to somebody else? Here's the question that Paul has to defend now because some are saying that Paul was a people pleaser. How was he a people pleaser? Because he was preaching a ministry of grace. But now here it is that his ministry was not totally criticized because it wasn't something so great that had the people upset. They, they were not telling them that they need to go into the temple and do other things outside, but they were saying this one thing, say, you know what? Paul gave you a message about Jesus Christ that's great, but he left out one thing. Each and every one of you must be circumcised. Now, that doesn't seem like a big idea because most of the Jews were circumcised, but those who want to become Christians had to be circumcised. But Paul's let him know that circumcision won't save you. Here it is. Circumcision equates to works, something they have to do, something that makes them right and makes them perfect. And so, therefore, it makes it easier for them to be accepted by God because they did something. Help me preach this to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you can't work your way into heaven. Paul is letting them know that don't get caught up with them. What they're telling you is good because it's according to the law, but we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Look closely what he tells them, that you are deserting the one who called you. He's letting them know that you're not hurting me. Oh, Paul's letting them know it's not about me. I know they said I'm a people pleaser, that I was trying to get you to like me. But you leaving what I've taught you is not you leaving me, but you are deserting the one who has called you. Says, I am shot. You are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. They were following in a different way. They were not following grace. Let's think about what is grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Paul is ministering to them grace. It's been by grace you have been saved. Take time to look over your life and start looking at things that you did to make your life better. And you're going to say, man, I went to school, right? I, I got my education, uh, uh, man, I got me a good job. Uh, I was able to put money in the bank. Huh. I was able to put my kids through college. I was able to do all these things, right? All right, that's good. You did all those things. But look in, what if God was not in the midst of that? Would you be able to say, I did all those things? Now you, got, now you got some footnotes there. You're going to say, but by the grace of God, there was a semester. <laughs> I don't think I was going to make it, but his grace stepped right on in and helped me make it through. There was a job I applied for. I didn't have the qualifications go, but by God's grace, somebody recommended me by that job. I got that job. Am I talking to somebody that understands that it wasn't your works that got you someplace, but it was God's grace that made provision? 
So many times in our life when we look over and took a, a, a checklist of our lives and look at some of our accomplishments, we pat ourselves on the back for, we, if we take some time to look a little bit closer, we're going to find out that if it wasn't for his grace, where would we be? But see, that's how we take God's grace for granted. Uh, that when things work out well, we give credit to ourselves and don't give credit unto him. It's, it's amazing how we want to give people glory and honor all the time. And, and we want to lift them up. But as soon as they mess up, then we want to criticize them. Let's check this out. Check this out. That's why you got to be careful how much credit you give them. Because if you look closely here, oftentimes what people accomplish is not by themselves alone. But we put so much on it that it makes it easier for us. No, you're not all you thought you were. I never said I was. This is, these are things that we put on to people. We make them perfect. We make them idolize. And then, then we chop them down when we find out that they're not as good as we would like them to be. Here, I just want to help somebody out that does not know what I'm talking about here. Uh, 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 you, if you just took the time and look at yourself in the mirror, and yes, you might say you look good. But if you really tr- tell the truth of the matter, you're going to realize that I'm not all who I think I am. And you're going to be so glad that you are all right with that because it's nothing but by the grace of God that you are who you are. You're going to find out it's by his grace I woke up this morning. It's by his grace I got clothes on my back. It's by his grace I'm able to put some food on the table. It's by his grace that I am that I am. And so when you understand that it does not matter when people blow you up, they will build you up. They will tell you the things they want. They will be people please. Oh, you're so good. You're so great. You do this so well. And they will be careful about how they lift you up because they'll be the same ones that will knock you down. I heard someone say this will be careful of those who carry you because they can also be your pallbearers. So when you look at God's grace, you realize it's not my works, it's not the things that I do, but it's his grace that brought me through. Grace also does this to us. Grace shows the magnitude of our God. Tell you never, my God is big. (laughs) Because when you look at it, you see how small we are. You see how big he is. We realize that I am not perfect, but he is perfect. And a perfect God desires to have a relationship with an imperfect person. Now, now, let's look at grace for a moment here. We have an opportunity to show grace every day in our lives. Let's go back to our immature days when we were children. When we were children, we didn't show grace. Remember that kid that didn't have the cool lunch? You didn't sit next to that kid. That kid had nothing to offer you. You don't want to sit next to them. But the kids that always came with two snacks. I knew some kids that came with many snacks. So I was trying to sit next to them because, wow, I mean, I could get some. I, I said, can I get some of those Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies? Yes. Can I get some of those, those name brand fruit snacks? Yes. <laughs> you know, you know when, when, you, when you know Aldi brand, you know name brand. And so when you see name brand, you say, can I get some of them? They taste different for some reason. They, they're a little bit chewier. They're not as stale. They seem fresh, right? That's what you, your mind is telling you these things because that's what you want. And so, therefore, I don't show grace to the kids that got the same lunch like me. I, I want to go next to the kids that got the better lunch. They got the cool lunch boxes, not a paper bag with a name on it. These are things that we do. Think about it, how, how we go in, right, as children. We go to a place and they don't dress cool. You don't sit next to them. You want to sit next to the kid that has the cool shoes on. 
Oh, where'd you get the new J's from? Man, those are fresh. Those are great. He's on my team. That's, that's what you want. You want everybody that looks good. You know, it appeals to the eye. It looks nice. And we choose them. That's people pleasing. But when we look at God's grace, God says, I will take the least. I'll take the poor. I'll take the blind. I'll take the deaf. I'll take the ones that you don't care about. And I will use them. I will empower them. And they'll be the ones that you'll be coming to for some help. If you look over in the Bible, you can look at over times how many times it came to the people that they rejected, the ones that they needed to help them out. That's God's grace. So they were introduced to God's grace, but yet they are not learning to follow grace because they're following false teachers who are really not given the gospel. Look closely here. Paul says it twice that he wants a curse to fall on anyone, including, including himself. Y'all see that there? A curse on anyone, including himself, that preaches anything else but the gospel. Here's the problem. That we have those who are people pleasers who are not preaching the gospel. And they're doing it for their own sake. And here it is. He says they should be a curse. Be careful. Be careful when someone says something, anything that does not line the word of God. That's one thing, reason why I make sure I tell you the text I'm from. And you open up your Bible to stay with me so you can say, is he preaching the gospel? Because I know for a fact that if I preach anything else other than the gospel, God's going to take care of me. And also, too, I don't want to mislead anybody else. And so I I tell you this for a fact, that if I am wrong, please show me because I can correct that. But if I think I I, I am right and I stay wrong and I keep on preaching wrong, God's going to handle that. Here's where we get caught up, that we we start quoting and misinterpreting Scripture, using things for our advantage. How does it work? I was reading a story about a child who got in trouble with his mom and... And and he was using some Bible verses to help him out. <laughs> mom was about to punish him, and he says, well, mom, do unto others <laughs> as you have them to do unto you. <laughs> and, and so it's amazing right, how we can use Scripture to help ourselves out. Right? Like, you don't want to hit me right because you don't want me to hit you. You know, it's amazing how we can use it to help ourselves out. Here it is that. Paul is pointing out to them, somebody's coming by to you preaching something else that's not a gospel, it's counterfeit, it's false. Be mindful, people will quote the Bible to get you to say some things. Ask them, where did you find that in the Bible? Here's some things that we, we say the Bible says. The Bible says if you take one step, God will take two. That's not in the Bible. Uh, another one, people say it and make it sound like in the Bible, when the praises go up. The blessings come down. Uh, that's not in the Bible. And so what happens is that someone grabs into that, well, I'm going to praise them and wait for my blessing. I'm, I'm going to let you know. There's, there's countless illustrations of people in the Bible that weren't praising, but God blessed them anyhow. I'll give you a good, good, good example. Good example. It's so good, it's bad. <laughs> Samson. Uh, uh, Samson done messed up. He, 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 he done messed up. He got his eyes plucked out. He got his hair cut. And now he's chained against the wall. But all of a sudden, God remembered him and blessed him. <laughs> Wasn't because he was praising. He messed up. He was punished. But God said, you know what? I'm going to bless you. Because the reason why God blessed him wasn't because what he has done, but what he had called him to do. 
when he was born, God said, I will use you to avenge the Philistine. There was no better time than Samson to avenge the Philistine when they had them all in the Colosseum, and he was under them, that he could knock them down. But cast this, cast this, cast this. But yet, that was God's will. What I want to point out to many of us that oftentimes people please us to make us do our own will, that we lose sight, that we are not called to do our will, but to do God's will. And when you're doing God's will, it may not look like your will, but that's all right. It's God's will. And when you're doing God's will, some people might get mad at you. They might even talk about you. They might get uh, be in front of you or go against you, but that's all right. Keep on doing God's will. Stay on the way of grace, knowing that if grace brought you this far, grace will take you home. Keep on trusting in God. Do not fall for the false teachers that will tell you how you can do all these things. Think about counterfeits, imitations. They want to take you away from the real thing. And that's, you know, where we got the saying, that you know, I want the real McCoy. You know, I want the real deal. And so when we understand that God is leading us away from these false teachers, we have to stand on this truth. Tell your neighbor, don't fall for it. Don't fall for what makes you feel good. Check it out. The Bible tells you to love and to forgive, but it feels good to hate and backstab. What do you mean it feels good? Tell me, tell me how you, why you do it. Because it feels good. When you get mad, you hit somebody, you feel good. Bam, I let them know you don't mess with me. That's what you say. You feel good about what you just did. Yeah, I, I, let them, I told them about themselves. So yeah, I did. Yeah, who the man? Who the man? That feels good. What oftentimes does not feel good is to come by to tell somebody, you know what? I'm sorry. That doesn't feel good. I, I, I don't like to apologize. I, I don't like to be humble and submissive. No, that does not feel good. It feels good to be proud and macho. I'm right. I'm always right, no matter what. But yet the Bible is pointing clear to us this, that Paul says that if I am serving man, if I'm pleasing man, that I am what not? Serving God. Y'all catch that. So if I'm trying to make myself feel good, if I'm trying to do all the things that look good, I need to check myself and say, am I pleasing myself or am I serving God? Because you can't serve both. And so looking at this gospel message, this gospel message tells us to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel message is that there is a God who created us, who made us in his own image. We messed it up. And so therefore he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And he rose again with all power in his hand. And now he's highly and exalted at the right hand of the Father. He gave us, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit, now that we may have a perfect relationship with him so that we can be restored and respond and do his work. But yet if we don't grab a part of that gospel message, understand that he is Lord, that I am his servant. That means he is master, I am slave, and therefore I must do the work of my father. So here it is. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the stuff that makes you feel good and makes you feel all tingly all over. And you walk away thinking you did something. I want you to grab this, that serving God does not mean you'll be rich. 
Serving God does not mean that you'll never be sick. Serving God does not mean you will never have problems in your life. Serving God does tell you this stuff. Serving God lets you know that you know there's a possibility of healing. Serving God, you know that you may not see riches on this earth, but in heaven, there's treasure stored for you. Serving God lets you know that your body may become sick and die, but you don't know death like death is. But you know that he is the resurrection, that you know that you have life, that you have everlasting life. What I want to grab is that the world will tell you all these things that sounds good. And so what? You'll buy the books. We'll buy the audio tapes, the CDs, the podcasts, and listen to all those things. Tell us all these things that we can have right now. You know this world is going to pass away, right? So why are we trying to hold on to what is dying? Majority of the stuff we love has an expiration date on it. Means to expire means to die. But yet, if you love Jesus, do you know he has no expiration date? He died to rise again, to die no more. And he's promised us that we can know that same life. So here it is. Here's the test. Are you following Christ? Verse 10 makes it closer. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing God were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Here's the first test. It involves unselfish living. The first test is for you to find out that am I living to please myself? Am I living to please the gospel? Unselfishness will allow you to say I'm sorry. Unselfishness will allow you to not to not have to have the last word, but let somebody else have the last word. Unselfishness will, will allow you to turn the other cheek. Unselfishness will be able to give you a last dollar and not cry about it. Unselfishness will be able to give up a seat for somebody else to sit down. You'll stand up. Unselfishness is understanding that I shall be last and I'll make others first. Unselfishness is understanding that if, if he is the greatest and he served all, how can I follow my great master and serve the same way. Unselfishness. Second one of following the gospel involves you to serve, to serve God. Serving God is this. It involves sacrifice. Think about how when you're at work, think about it, when you're at work and you're in your office, you're away from your comforts. You know, you can't, you know, modern, modern technology helped us out that we could still, what, ca- cast up a game on the phone and we could still listen to our favorite shows on the phone. But it used to be when you were at work, you were away from everything. And serving God, we understand that sometimes when we're serving him, we must separate ourselves away from the world to be focused on his work. That is some time that I need to spend some devoted time in prayer and reading and spend some time with God. That I need to make sure the Lord, as I make my appointments for everything else, I want to make my appointments to serve you. Serving him is not as, as a checklist. Serving him is that you be on those everyday basis, every time you get a chance, that no matter where we are in the house, at home, in our private time, that we're honoring God with the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart. That's serving him. Serving him is not because I can stand up front and hold a tray. Serving him is not because I can preach or I can teach. Serving him is not because I can sing in the choir. Serving him is that when people speak of me, they can say, I saw Christ in him or her. 
When people serving Christ represents this, that when you are walking around, people feel better about themselves because you encourage them with a word from God. That's serving him. Serving him helps us to realize that it's okay to be criticized because our faith, because my faith is in him who was crucified and rose again. And the next one is, second, the third test is, it involves to please God and not man. If you're caught up with appearances, if you're caught up with the Joneses, if you're caught up with every latest thing that you got to have it before anybody else has, if you're caught up that I have to always have the best place and the best spot, then you're not caught up serving God, you're caught up serving man. If you're concerned about what people say about you more than what God says about you, you're not concerned about pleasing God. We live in the technology age that allows us to to put on airs. Facebook has changed. Facebook used to be a, a social site where people connect with friends. And they will put embarrassing pictures up. And they, they put these embarrassing pictures and say, hey, look what we did, not thinking that there's anything wrong about it. But as many people became access to it, they said the boss could look at it and say, oh, you are drunk at the party. I can't have you working for me anymore. So now Facebook's changed and people stop putting those kind of pictures up as much. Now it becomes a news site that you can find somebody passing away on Facebook before you can find out on the local news. They put all kind of information out there now. It's changed. It's changed. And so people can put on airs of, and, and quote people and, and make them sound intellectual where they can put other people's quotes up and say, oh, I read this today. I'm going to sound smart and put this up here on Facebook. And everybody's going to think I'm smart and intellectual and I read a lot of books. But you don't know anything. You're just putting stuff up on the Internet. But yet we can do that because why? We want people to like us. So you, you don't want to have a Facebook page right? and don't have a lot of likes. So how do you get a lot of lights? You got to put the stuff on people want. Just look at our modern news, our modern news, our modern news. It told us so much about Ebola, but more people die from the flu and the common cold than from Ebola. But they didn't report on that, did they? They didn't tell you how you need to wash your hands more, cover your nose, stay in and do all these other things to help prevent from these viruses passing. They didn't tell you all that. They said, oh, Ebola's scared. This place is a quarantine. Oh, be careful of unchecked bats. Don't go to Texas. Don't go here. What about go to the bathroom, wash your hands, use soap every time? These are the things that society, but that, that's not newsworthy. Nobody wants to hear how to fight the common cold, whatever. Ebola scare in Peoria. Oh, everybody's going to turn in. Oh, what's going on? More people die from the flu and the cold than from Ebola. When we look at what society promotes to us, it, it, it appeals to our senses and, and it makes us excited. But when we look at what God calls us to do, many times people don't want to cover that. This last illustration, I'm going to move on. There's so much out there for cancer awareness and AIDS awareness and, and clean water. Uh, but I was reading that uh, a, a, a student that did work in the United States, uh, he went to college in the United States, was talking about how they're talking about all this clean water stuff and how you can buy this clean water from this place and they'll send so much of clean water. He says there's a Catholic church that's been there since the 1500s digging wells for us. 
He's pointing out they're not getting the popularity. They're not being centralized. They're not being commended. But he says we've seen the work from many faithful churches and Christians coming into our community since 1500. But yet we always want to get the latest craze. Oh, I got this. I did this. And I'm going to put a badge on because I'm part of this latest craze. Realize this people is doing this work not for the glory. Not for a man to pat him on the back, not to have a big CEO or their name as a president of a board, but because they know it's the right thing to do. Are you pleasing man or are you pleasing God? So here it is, the test we have for us to see. Are we following the God? It involves our unselfishness. It involves us to serve God and not self. It involves us to please God and not man. And our greatest example is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us how to serve the gospel with his life. Will you give yours? If you stay on this path of the gospel, you will end up giving up your life. You will give up sacrifices. You will be persecuted. You will be ridiculed. But that's all right because Jesus says that blessed is he who loses his name for my sake. For he shall save his life. But who he keeps his life for his, for his own shall lose it. But blessed are those who seek after the Lord and give up their life to him. They will have great eternal reward. They will have peace. They will have joy. They will see Jesus for who he is. They will see the one who lived for them. They will see the one who died for them. They will see the one who bled for them. The one who rose to save them. The one who set them free. Don't leave the gospel. Stay with the gospel. Know that the journey may be rough. And the journey may be hard, but it's worth you staying on the path. God will reward you just like he rewarded Jesus. You will be made like Jesus, and you will know death no more. Don't leave the gospel. Remember Jesus, how he did not leave his post. You know, three times in the Garden of Gethsemane that he bowed down unto the Lord, Lord, let this cup pass over, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. Now, I said three times he did this. The first time he said it, he fell down. He went back and checked with the disciples. They couldn't stay up. They fallen back asleep. He goes back and cries out to the Lord one more time, say, Father, if, if this cup can pass over, but not my will, but thy will be done. He gets on up. He goes back. They can't stay awake. He says, can't y'all stay asleep? Awake with me for one hour. And he goes back one more time, falls down on the ground, crying out to the Lord, if this cup can pass over, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. The third time he comes back, he says, don't worry about it. Our betrayer is here. He comes and gets betrayed by a kiss by Judah. But Cat says he could have called down because Peter said, hey, I'm excited now. I got my knife. I'm going to cut off that ear of the one they're trying to take you. Jesus says, hold up. That's all right. He picked up the ear and put it on. Let him know if you live by the sword, yet die by the sword. And he says, Peter, don't you know I have legions of angels standing on standby, waiting on my beck and call. All I got to do is say the word, and they will come down and rescue me. But he understood I must make my way to the cross. You, you understand how he had to make his way to the cross because he had to be faithful to what God has called him to do. He set us the example that if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. And follow after me. It may cost your life. It may cause people to ridicule you. 
But catch this. What happened to Christ on the cross? He did die. Our sins died with him. They did bury him. We were buried with him. He rose again. We rose with him. And catch this. We will forever know that we have a home in heaven. So don't leave this gospel. You have just began your journey. You have just began your journey. Hold on till you reach your destination. A lot of people are going to try to get you sidetracked and tell you all kinds of things that are not true. Go back to his word. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you, O God, for your truth. Father, we ask you to help us to, to filter out those lies.